Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Guys, as we come to chapter 9, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, you remember that last week he really left us with a solid principle. Okay, And really, the principle is summed up in two words, if you're taking notes. It's people matter. People matter. And that's one thing that you'll see about Paul's heart as he writes the letter. Paul is all about people, and the reason he's all about people is because Paul understands the gospel and that, that Jesus' heart is all about people. And what he's been trying to communicate for the last 2,000 years is that you and I, as believers, should be about people. If we're going to have the same heart as Jesus... If we're going to have the same heart as our God who created us, then we should have a heart for people, okay? Which goes above and beyond our hearts of selfishness and self-centeredness, and this is what I want, and this is what I'm going to do. He's saying, listen, we need to forsake all that, and we need to be about people. That's really the principle that he taught last week. And he actually sums up the principle in, in the 13th verse of the 8th chapter when Paul writes, he says, therefore, if food makes me makes my brother stumble, he says, I will never eat meat again lest I make my brother stumble. That really is the principle. But you would look back and you go, well, what is it? Is it about food? So Paul's saying, listen, if, if me eating a steak causes you to stumble, then I won't have steak. No, the, the food is not the principle. The food is he's going, listen, I don't want to cause you to stumble. And we could insert all kinds of other things in there, but, but a better translation as Paul thinks about people, he says this. So if what I eat, and then you can insert anything you want there, if what I wear, how I look, how I behave, what I see, what I, you know, all of these things, what I speak, if that causes you to stumble, then I would be so careful, he says. He says, I won't eat meat again. And so he's, you go, well, Ben, 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 hold, time out, time out, listen, hold up. Listen, I mean, me as a believer, I know I'm free in Jesus. I have rights. I can, I can behave how I want to behave. I hope I'm not really trying to be anything that I'm not. But, but I mean, I think I, I think I have rights. But Paul says, no, no, no. As long as I live, he says, I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. And here's what he's saying. He's telling you and I that, that, that people matter. And somewhere along the line, guys, we've lost that. We've lost that loving feeling towards, hey, this is my brother. This is my sister. Eternity matters. They matter. You matter. You see, and that's, that's really what we do on our outreach when we go to Grace Campus. And we don't sit there and go, well, the socioeconomic of these people are just, it's really down. So we need, we don't, we sit, they matter. And what they need is they need somebody to talk to and go, you matter. You're important. That's what Christianity is about. You see, so many times we think Christianity is about what could I get? What are you going to do for me? This is me. Christianity is about giving. It's about, well, people matter. It's about the glory of God. And people look at your life and go, man, praise God. Not praise you or anything else. And this is what Paul is trying to tell us. He's trying to say, man, now, now remember last week, in, in a nutshell, he told us, okay, okay, here it is. He's trying to communicate, you're free in Jesus. And everybody goes, amen, because we are free in Jesus. When you give your heart to Jesus, when you understand the gospel deep in your soul, now I get it. We have a superficial gospel that says, hey, Jesus died for you. If you'll just pray this prayer, you'll be saved. No, the gospel goes so much deeper because it wants to heal those emotional wounds in our heart. 
It wants to heal the anxiety that we face. It wants to heal that depression. It wants to heal these things that we've allowed to just keep us bondage for years. We have to understand the gospel. The gospel does this for Paul. The gospel says, man, I'm going to beat you up. I'm going to make you bloody. You're almost dead. And Paul gets up and says, no, people matter. I'm going to go back in and tell them about Jesus. The gospel says, man, I'm in prison and we're singing and the gates open, but he knows the jailer's going to kill himself. So he says, stop, nobody's left. We're all here for you. I want you to think about that in the context of your life. Listen, if I'm in prison and, and Jesus sends this, this, this amazing earthquake so that I can leave, I'm out of there. I'll be praising the Lord. Thank you for opening the gates. No, no, Paul said people matter. I don't want any. And, and it says the jailer and his household, what? Got saved. The jailer, and, the, and this is what he's trying to say. He says we're free. Now, what we need to understand, guys, is that, that, that what we have is called Christian liberty. But he taught us last week, he taught us that Christian freedom carries a great responsibility. Okay, we're free, but we should be making decisions with regard to Jesus and to others. This is what he said. And so he backtracked and he said, let me give you what the first seven chapters were all about. You go, what were there? He said, they asked me a question and here's what I do. I shared and advised the church to what? To number one, to fix their focus on Jesus, not men. That's what we're called to do, to fix our focus on Jesus and not man. And you go, why? Because what happens is we start going, well, this pastor's good and this pastor's not good and this denomination and this church and this, all of this stuff caused division. He says, no, get your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And so that's the first thing he tells us. The second thing he says, stop fighting with each other. Stop fighting with each other. You guys are brothers and sisters in the Lord. And with Jesus, nothing is too great. Nothing is too great that that you shouldn't fight about. I get it. We're brothers and sisters. We're going to rub elbows. We're going to, you know, we get it. But we should stop fighting and we should be loving. You know who's good at fighting? The devil. You know what he wants to do for all of us? He wants to get us to fight. He wants us to get to be ugly towards each other. He wants us to never speak to each other again. You see it playing out in front of you, and yet we don't do anything. We should say, no, uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to follow Jesus. The third thing he wants us to do, guys, if you recall, he says, quit being so foolish the fifth thing, or the fourth thing, I'm sorry, is he needs, he says, we need to forsake their filthiness. Remember, he's talked to them twice about sexual immorality, pornea, pornography, sexual immorality. It's the same he's trying to convey to us that we as Americans, we as believers, we as Christians, we need to stop and forsake filthiness. But I've got to tell you a story. I got to tell you a story. Normally, we don't watch primetime TV. We don't watch, I mean, whatever, we'll watch old, whatever it is. But normally I don't watch any of the, the new shows that come on. But the other night I was watching and nothing was asleep. And, and I happened to turn on, it was a movie about law. It was about like, like, I don't know if you ever remember back in the day, L.A. law, and they would have court cases and this and that, right? And I thought, man, this could be interesting. And the movie premise was this. It was about a young man who had a disease that was fighting for his right to die. And I thought, well, that'd be interesting. I'd, I'd like to see this. I've never watched primetime. Nathalie's asleep. I watched that. 
in the opening scene of this show, it all had to do with sexual immorality and filthiness and everything that my God is against. And I thought, why? Well, that wasn't even part of the that wasn't even part of the premise. But what they're doing, guys, is they're trying to condition us to say it's okay, it's fine, this is okay, sleep with whoever, blah 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 blah. And I thought, wow. And yet Paul says, man, we got to forsake our filthiness. We got to forsake our filthiness. And then last week, if you recall, if you were here, we talked about the Christian freedom and loving your brother. We are free, but we're free enough to love our brother. We looked at four admonitions, four of them, guys, for us to follow discerning right and wrong in the area of questionable things. Listen, you and I are on our walk with Jesus, and there's going to be things in life that are going to be questionable. Oh, this is, oh, what, do we, what should I do? What should I do? And he says, now I want you to consider four things. Remember we talked about them last week? You go, what were they? Number one, he says, we need to take a moment to consider our walks with Jesus. Okay? We need to consider our walks with Jesus. There are, again, this is questionable. What should I do? Okay, let me take a look. Let me see my walk. Let me see where I've come from. Let me see how much I've grown because it could potentially cause me to stumble. And so I go, okay, that's the first thing I consider. Let me go out, let me let me check my walk. The second thing he says now, you also should consider this. You should take a moment to consider your brother's his feelings, his thoughts, and his emotions. Where did you come from? How did you grow up? Why would Paul tell us that? I'll tell you why. Because, guys, there are times in our lives where we're automatically, because of a socioeconomic status, because of the color of your skin, because of who you are, because of where you came from or how you dress, we automatically judge people right away. We automatically stereotype, put them in a category. And Paul says, no, would you take a moment about what you're about to do, what you're about to say, what you're about to watch, would you take a moment to consider your brother's feelings? Where are they from? How is this going to affect them? Well, Pastor, are you saying that the Bible says that I need to be others-oriented? Yes, that's exactly what the Bible says. He says we should esteem others higher than ourselves. Not only should we look at it for our interests, but look out for our brother's interest. What kind of world would we live in if you and I said, today we're going to look out for our interest of our brothers? We're going to be different. We're going to be different. And then the third thing he says, guys, when you're in a questionable area, he says, take a moment to consider your brother's walk with Jesus. Is this going to cause him to stumble? Will he go back into sin? Listen, I'm free to have a glass of wine. I'm free to have a a beer. I'm free to do whatever. But I know that this might cause somebody to stumble. And so I'm going to go, okay, I need to take a moment to go, how is this going to do? What is this going to look like? Now, again, you go, well, listen, Pastor, you're free. Your, your rights were free. You have freedom. And I said, yes, I do. But watch. But people matter. But people matter. And so, again, he says, listen, take a moment. Take a moment to consider your brother's walk. And then the fourth thing we talked about last week, guys, is take a moment to consider Jesus Christ. Hey, about what you're about to do what you're about to watch, what you're about to hear, the conversation you're engaged in, let's take a moment to consider Jesus. Let me ask you a question, okay? This is completely free, not even in my notes, just for you. The next conversation you have 
Would you picture Jesus standing right there? And would you say the things you're going to say if he was standing right there? You see, that's what he wants us to do. The next conversation, listen, the next time you're going to get mad at your wife, the next time you're going to get mad at your husband, picture Jesus standing right there and said, hey, I'm involved in this, what's up? Lord, you, well, I know she's your daughter and everything, so never mind. Or what if we're going to say something about somebody else? Could you imagine if you're about to gossip and Jesus just goes, really, tell me more. Well, you know, nothing. And so that's what he wants us to do, guys. Take a moment to consider Jesus. And, and again, remember where he left us off last week. He said, now, okay, he gave us all of these principles. These are things we consider. And then he says, okay, so here's the principle. He says, when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, he says, you are sinning against Christ. So if what I eat causes another believer to sin, he says, I will never eat meat again as long as I live. For I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. That's the principle. Now, here's what you need to understand. Look at your Bibles, guys. This really, he's trying to communicate the heart of the gospel in these verses. Why? Because listen, the gospel in its purity, in its amazing, the death, burial, and resurrection of my Jesus, it helps us to see others the way Jesus sees them. Guys, and we never want to cause a little one to stumble. Eternity is too far a grade of price to pay for really a temporary pleasure here. Eternity is too far a grade of price. Think about it. You go, Ben, what does it mean? Well, think about this. For you to go, people matter? If it means that many people will come to know Jesus... and grow in their faith, Paul says, then I vow never to have steak again. He says, Paul says, listen, here's the principle. If going to the movies, reading romance novels, soap operas, uh, getting on social media causes people to stumble in their faith, he says, then I'm free not to do it. I'm okay. See, that's what the gospel does. The gospel of Jesus Christ makes you complete, church. And everything that you keep lacking, you need to understand you're complete. And you and I don't need those things. Look, if, if it's going to cause somebody to stumble back into sin, I don't need to do it. Pastor, I'm free. Yes, you are. But you're also free not to. Why? Because people matter. You see, people were made, listen to me, in the image of God, the Imago Dei. These are, this is who God created. And we need to have the heart of Jesus. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus said, man, I know you're a messy people. I know that you guys, I mean, look about when he was on the cross. What did he say? Father, forgive them. Father, forgive, for they know not what they do. Now, listen, let's be honest. If you were on the cross and you had that power, that's not what you would say. Let's be honest, right? If I'm on the cross and I had the power to have anything happen, I'd be like, Lord, toast them all. Right now, except that dude, he's got to get me down. You know what I'm saying? 
We would. We'd want revenge. We'd, but, but the heart of Christ is, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And see, that's Paul's heart. That's Paul's heart. And so when we come to chapter 9, he's going to illustrate what he just preached. He's going to illustrate that principle that people matter from his own life. And he's going to remind this loving church that he didn't take advantage of them, even though he had the right. He didn't take advantage of them. He had rightful privilege he had as an apostle. You go, what rights did he have, pastor? Okay, listen. Paul had rights as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Amen? He had rights. Did you know this? He had rights. He actually, guys, think about it. The right that he had was to be supported financially for being an apostle, for going out and planting churches and sharing the gospel. And, and he had a right to, to... But I love the heart of Paul. For you see, especially at Corinth, he realized that this right can be wrong if it causes people to sin. You see, the right itself is not wrong, but it can be wrong if it really, now use that word loosely, really, okay, causes your brother or sister to sin. And you go, why? I get it, church. Listen, I get it. We live in interesting times. And we know that we all have rights. You understand? We have we all have rights. We have we we fight for civil rights, consumer rights, equal rights, whatever rights it might be. We have them, and I understand that. The problem is, is that if we take those rights, and those rights actually cause somebody to stumble, and and they're really not a, an issue, but we stand on our rights. That's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, I I, I get it. I get it. As a matter of fact, I have a story from Abraham Lincoln. Back in the day, Abraham Lincoln, when he was a lawyer, a fellow came up to him and said, I want to sue a man. I want to sue him because he owes me $2.50. And Abraham Lincoln said, excuse me? I'm going to sue this man. He's a poor man. He can't pay me. I'm going to sue him for, I want my $2.50. And Abraham Lincoln said, no, I'm not going to. I'm a lawyer. I mean, this is, that's just, that's small potatoes, $2.50. But I'm, I want to, I want to hire you, Mr. Lincoln. I want to sue this man. And so Abraham Lincoln thought about it for just a moment and said, okay, okay. I'll, I'll take the deal. I'll take the case on one condition. The man says, what? Anything. He says, you need to pay me a $10 upfront fee in cash. For $10, I'll sue him and I'll get you your money. The man said, absolutely. So he gave him $10 in cash. You know what Abraham Lincoln did? He went over to the poor man. He offered him $5 to settle the debt. So Lincoln got himself $5 for himself. The poor man got two fifty, and the rich man got his $2.50 at, at a cost of 10 bucks. You say, what's the purpose of the story? He had rights, didn't he? That's what he said, I have rights. thought, wow, what an interesting thing. What an interesting concept. If we were to put ourselves in the rich man's category, we are all prone to this mentality of demanding our rights. Where does it stem from, guys? Oftentimes it stems from a love of self. My rights. Me. Y'all are looking at me like you don't believe me. I'll tell you what. I'll challenge you. After service, after service, go out to eat. Go to a very popular restaurant. Stand there. And when somebody cuts in front of you after you've been waiting for 20 minutes, 
tell me you don't stand up for your rights and say, I was here first. Right? Your, your, tummy, your tummy is rumbling. Right? You've been standing there. You know, there's only two of you. And then somebody walks in 20 minutes later, goes to their front door, and they say, oh, follow me this way. What are you doing? You're not praising the Lord. You're like, oh, praise God, you get to eat first. Yay. You're like, hey, hey, hey. Ma'am, we were here first. And, and we get in the flesh, don't we? That's how I know we stand upon our rights. That's how I know. Well, Paul's going to illustrate this, guys. Paul's going to talk about this, and he's going to illustrate that principle. Okay? So what's he saying? Here's, here's what he's saying. Paul is saying people matter. People matter more than stuff. People matter. If you're taking notes and you can write pretty fast, I was going to put it on the PowerPoint, but I forgot. Uh, write this down if you can. Right is wrong when we insist on our rights and do not practice forbearance. Right is wrong when we insist on our rights and do not practice forbearance. And you go, okay, Pastor, I got it. Let me say that one more time. Right is wrong when we insist on our rights and we don't practice forbearance. And you go, Ben, what does forbearance mean? Well, Webster defines our English word forbearance as a refining, oh, I'm sorry, from refraining from enforcement of something as a debt, a right, or an obligation that's due refraining from going, that's mine. Commentator uh, J.B. Lightfoot calls it the opposite to a spirit of contention and self-seeking. Forbearance is the opposite to a spirit of contention and self-seeking. You see, listen, God throughout Scripture has called us to practice forbearance. You go, Ben, that's kind of a weird term. Is there an easier one to remember? Yeah, you can, in the Greek, it actually means gentleness. You need to have that spirit of gentleness. Not to enforce your rights if it might cause a brother or a sister to stumble. Now, I know you're looking at me this way like, but Ben, we live in the real world. And there are people out there who, if I don't claim my rights, they'll, they're, they're offended because it's a ploy or a tactic to, to see you hurt or to see you fall. And oftentimes, they'll, they'll be offended by your rights because they're trying to justify their own behavior. I get it. That's real world. Here's what you need to understand. Paul's not talking about those people. Paul's talking about a sincerity of people who go, oh, I was, I was looking up to you and, and you ate a steak and I know that they... It's really freaking me out. I'm really, I don't know what to do, and it's causing me to sin. Paul, you guys understand that. Paul's talking about those, those people. Here's what you need to understand, okay? Paul has a sincere love for the gospel down in his soul. Paul has that. Paul's not going, well, I know, I know you're just trying to use me. I know you're just trying to get under my skin. Paul says, no, listen, I understand that you might really be sinning. Let me illustrate it. Let me illustrate it. So we come to chapter 9. Think of Paul as this, guys. Think of Paul as a defense attorney, okay? They just accused him. What did they accuse him of? Remember, they were thinking, well, you're not really an apostle. 
you're not really an apostle. You, you know, I'm not, we're not. And, and, and remember, this church also was actually kind of holding back their support because they didn't think he was an apostle. So you got all kinds of stuff going on. And so they asked him, well, remember, Paul says, listen, I'm an apostle by, by Jesus Christ, of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. And so he comes up and he says, okay, but let me, let me go ahead and let me present my evidence in the case. And so they say, all rise, and here comes Paul. And Paul says, here's my defense, and this is what he's going to do. Notice what he says in verse 1 of chapter 9. He says, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not the work of the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this, dot, dot, dot. Check it out. You go, what is Paul saying? Notice what he says. He, Paul is an amazing, brilliant theologian. He's a great man, but notice how he comes back. He starts his defense by asking the church great rhetorical questions. Like what? He says, am I not an apostle? Well, what would they think? Of course you are, Paul. You're anointed. You are amazing. Paul, you, I mean, you are, yes. We see the anointing in your life. And Paul would say, okay, well, am I not free? Well, Paul, if we're free, you have to be free, sure. He says, am I free in my apostleship and my authority? Yeah, Paul, you're the one who planted the church. Paul says, have I, have I not seen the risen Lord? Now, why would he say that? Because one of the criterias to be an apostle was that you had to see the risen Lord. There might have been other people going around going, I'm an apostle. Now, did you see Jesus? No. Just heard about him. You know, part of being an apostle, a sent one, is that you had to see Jesus. So Paul says, hey, have, and everybody goes, yeah, yeah, you, you, Acts chapter 9, on the road to Damascus. And then Paul looks at him and he says this. Oh, oh, by the way, if people out there are saying that I'm not really an apostle, he said, that's okay. Listen. Let me use modern modern language. Paul's not tripping about people who doesn't think he's an apostle, people outside the church. Okay? I can tell you there's probably people out there in the world that probably think I'm not I'm not a pastor. That that dude's not a pastor. Look at him. It really trips me out because listen, I get it. Man, I look up to pastors in this in this city, and they're dressed so perfect every day. I mean, they got dress slacks, and and sometimes I'm like, man, you look like Trump, dude. Man, I don't know what is wrong. I don't I don't dress like a pastor. I mean, I just don't. Tennis shoes, jeans, sometimes shorts. Some dude accused me the other day. Are you on vacation? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm working. But, you know what I mean? It looked like I was on vacation. I had the hat, and I get it. But that doesn't mean that's not the calling of my heart as, an, as a pastor. You, you, you guys tracking with me? And so he says, he says, listen, he says, listen, it's okay. People are tripping that they don't think, I'm, that's okay. But here's the real evidence. You know, how I'm no, you know how I know I'm an apostle? He says, can I present evidence A? And they go, yes, Paul, what is it? He goes, it's you. It's you. That's my evidence. He actually said, y'all, because he's from Texas. He said, it's y'all. Or if he's from the other side of the world, Ewans. Ewans, it's you. It's you guys. That's what Paul is saying. Guys, do you see that? He says, the evidence of my calling as an apostle and a church planter is you. 
is you. Let me say this to you guys. Listen, my prayer for this church, Calvary Chapel, I mean, is that we would grow, grow, grow. I want to grow numerically. I want to see every chair filled. But my wife reminded me the other day that people are growing spiritually. And that's just as important. I say, yeah, amen. Growing spiritually. Because we may stay like this, guys, for the next 20 years, but in heaven we'll have a church that's like, because, because what you learned in here, you took out there. And they might have said, well, no, I'm not, I'm not going to come to Calvary, but man, I really like what you say. Tell me more. Tell me more. Then we've had people come. We've, we've presented the gospel, and they've moved on. They've moved out, moved out of state. I mean, guys, we're our podcast Our podcast reaches people all over the world, and that blows my mind. I'm like, I'm really tripping that somebody in Egypt is listening to me. I mean, do they even understand me? You know, and it's like somebody in Israel, somebody all over the world. I mean, they're clicking on the podcast and listening to us. That trips me out. But Paul says, my evidence that God has called me? Listen, you need to understand this. You need to understand this. And the only one who could probably verify this right now is Yvonne and Manaya. And so we started this church with them. They came six months right after us. And we went through some hard times. If there was a time for me to quit, there was plenty of times over the last 16 years that I should have thrown in the towel. You understand, we came out here, okay, Lord, we're going to take Lubbock by storm, amen. And all of a sudden, I couldn't find a job. I had a job, and I, and I couldn't find one that was really conducive to the, to the ministry. And, and I saw our savings go all the way down. We, didn't have any, we were eating beans and chicken every night for dinner. No kidding. That would have been a good time to go. Listen, I don't think, Lord, you're calling me here. I think this was a bust. I'm out of here. We didn't. We didn't because of you. You see, the calling that God called me to Lubbock is you. It's you guys. It's to see someone like Josh and Amanda, who we minister to over the years, find their purpose and their calling that was far greater than any cup of coffee you could have ever shared. You can see that. We've got to stick with it. So what happens when, what happens when you stick with something that, that God is doing, when God is growing and God is glorifying? What happens? devil's mad, isn't he? He says, no, 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 we can't have this. We can't have the Josh and the Mandas. We can't have, we can't have the Larrys, and we can't have the Earlys, and we can't have the... No, 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 no. Listen, I don't care if they go to heaven. I just don't want them walking in victory. I don't want walk. I just don't want that. So I'm going to do everything I can. I got way off. I don't know where we are. Here we go. And so Paul says back in our text, guys, I know where I was. It's you guys. That's what Paul says. It's you. And he says, let my defense, let my defense to those who examine me. If you have a pencil handy, guys, you can circle that word examine. What it means is to investigate. And this verse seems to indicate that they were deliberately withholding support from Paul. Okay? Now, here's what you need to understand in our text. It was Paul's right to get paid for serving, preaching, and planting as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Everybody got that? It was Paul's right. 
Now, here's what's funny, okay? What's funny was that in first service, Marie, Corn, Marie talked to me and she goes, man, I'm very, I'm very intrigued at your title. I'm very intrigued. When, you know, and she goes, you know what? I, I've read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and she goes, and I've actually heard sermons about how you need to pay the pastor. This is a sermon where he goes, this is justifies me as a pastor and how you need to be giving your tithes and offerings so that I could get paid. And I looked at her and I smiled. I said, that's okay. I can see how they use that, but that's not what Paul is saying. In an expositional text, Paul is saying, I have rights. Can I get an amen? He says, I have rights. I should, I should get paid. You go out and you do a job and you don't do it for free, do you? You expect to. You have rights. That's the premise. But he says, let me share something with you. You ready? He says, now, sometimes a right can become wrong if it's misunderstood or it causes someone to sin. And so he says in verse 4, notice, he says, do we have no right to eat and drink? Now, chew on that, right? Can you imagine the Apostle Paul going, hey, guys, we have a right to be supported in ministry, the basic, the basic essentials. We, sh- we should have food and clothing and a-, a roof over our head. I mean, this is the basic essentials for doing the work of the ministry. And nobody would argue that. The problem is, in our day and age, guys, fast forward to 2019, is that you have some rock star pastors and you have some guys that make a lot of money and they sell books, and I get it, and I'm not dogging that. But what happens is that they live in big old houses and everything, and so the, the, the general uh, body of Christ goes, oh, okay, so that's, that's what you do with our money. And, and, and again, that's not, that's not, Paul's not saying that. Paul's not saying, hey, man, y'all, y'all should pay me so I can... You know, I, I can drive a brand new Ferrari, you know, chariot with, with you know what I'm saying? He's not saying, I, I, he's saying, listen, I have the basic necessities of life. Should I not? And they're like, yes, Paul. Uh, yeah, you should be able to eat and drink. And he says, by the way, so you understand that I'm not just, let me, let scripture interpret scripture. And so what he does is he takes them to, to nine he takes them to verse 11 and verse 14. I want you to look at that. We'll unpack it real quick. And, 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 and so we're going to pack, unpack the last verse so you get a, a, an idea. Look at verse 9 with me, guys, real quick. 1 Corinthians 9, 9, Paul says, For it is written in the law of Moses. So where is it, guys? In the law of Moses, that you shall not muzzle the ox while it treads out the grain. That's what he's saying. It's, is it the oxen God is concerned about? Question mark. You go, what's he saying? Well, Paul now refers to Deuteronomy 25 and 4. The Old Testament practice was to have the ox walk on the sheaves, thus separate the grain from the chaff. But it said, but he, he says they can eat as they do this. You're not going to put a muzzle over the, over the ox. He's working. And so Paul's point, he says, now listen, listen, guys. If the oxen benefit from physical work, should not God's servants benefit from spiritual work? The plowman and the harvester both work in hope, expecting to share the same harvest. He says, "What you want? Let me give you a natural law. You know what a natural law is? If the oxen is working hard for you, let him eat. Let him eat. It's silly not to let him eat. He's working hard for you." And everybody goes, "Wow, yeah, yeah." And then he says, "Now, now check this out." He says, look at verse 11. That, that, was, that was 
verse 9. Let's look at verse 11. He says, if we have sown spiritual things for you, it is a great thing if we reap material things. You go, Ben, what's he saying? Well, if you have a pencil handy, spiritual things means the gospel message. So he's saying, listen to me. If we've come and we've given you the gospel and you've got saved and you're walking in Jesus and heaven is secure, he says, shouldn't we, shouldn't we reap in material things? Should you not support us? When we first planted the church, we had so many people go, well, how do you get paid, Ben? And I said, well, it's the tithes and the offerings. Oh, well, you don't have a mother church or a sister church that takes care of you? No, that's what a lot of denominations do. We came out here full of faith and praying that God would supply our needs. Who does that? Crazy people. But God has, God has met us every step of the way. And so you guys go and you say, well, my little, my little, my little bit won't, it does count because God is faithful. God is faithful. And so Paul says, listen to me, listen, it's, if I've, if I've sown the gospel in your heart, he said, it's a great thing that we would, we would reap material things. It's like the person that comes to your house And he knocks on the door and says, I'm so hungry. Do you have any food? He said, oh, be warm and be blessed. And you close the door. You give him a blessing, but you didn't give him anything to eat. Now, I know none of you would do that. But that's what Paul is saying. He's going, guys, let's not just. Listen, think about your world. Think about the world you live in today. Think about what this is. Think about everything that happens in November and December. A lot of people are hurting. They're broken. They don't like the holidays. They feel lonely, depressed. They have a lot of anxiety. But what could we do as believers if we said people matter? You go, like what? Man, take 50 bucks out of your Christmas fund and say, I'm going to give this away. Take 50 bucks, go, listen, we were going to buy toys. We don't really need toys. Let's, Let's give it away. Let's give it away. I saw a video the other day. It blew my mind. Maybe we could try this, right? Maybe we could try this. This is cool. It's a video. And, and what it was is it was a guy like at a Walmart, right, at a, at a grocery store. And what he did is he looked and he, um, he cut in front of the people like this. And he put his stuff down. And, and the people were livid. The, the, the people were going, hey, wait a minute. What are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm cutting in front of you. That's okay. He goes, it's not okay. And he goes, no, it is. He says, he says because I'm going to pay for yours and I'm going to pay for your stuff. We should try that. Now, don't pick the big basket. No, I'm just kidding. He was like, well, I was going to do that basket, but let's go ahead. Oh, you just have a Diet Coke? I'm going to buy his. No, take, take that money you've allotted and say, what, what, what can I do? What can I do, guys? I mean, because it's scriptural. Because he tells us in verse 14, he says, even so the Lord commanded those things who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. It's okay. It's okay. I got a question, Pastor. How much do you get paid? Here's the thing. It's like David. David says, Lord, don't give me so little that I have to beg and I have to dishonor your name, but don't give me too much for I forget about you. He says, he says, that's what it is. 
You see, Paul, everybody with me? Paul has every right to be supported by the church he planted, by the churches. Can I get an amen? Paul had the right to receive support from the people whom he ministered. The apostle was a representative of Christ. He deserved to be welcomed and cared for. And not only that, you know what Paul says? He says, what about why? What about, what about my wife? What about my wife? You go, Ben, Paul's not married. But what if he, he was? Because notice what he asks in verse 5. He says, do we have no right to take along our believing wife? As do also the other apostles? the brothers in the Lord, and Cephas, right? So you know who Cephas is, right? Peter, okay? So he says, now listen, listen, here's the deal, here's the deal. Paul was unmarried, but he said, but if, but if I had a wife, she too should be supported in the ministry, okay? She should be, she should be supported. She should be supported by the church. See, a lot of times, you know, wives, they do a lot, and, and they have to work an extra job. But Paul is saying, listen, if I was married, shouldn't my wife be taken care of? So shouldn't she get paid? Now, in, in, in this concept, I don't know, sometimes we freak out, don't we? Sometimes like, well, well, the pastor's wife is, is getting paid. Paul says, listen, she's out there in the ministry. She's, she's, she's in the battle lines, man. She's getting hit with bullets, too. What about Peter? Pastor, was Peter married? Yeah, Peter was married. As a matter of fact, if you go with us to Israel, Tammy, you remember this, right, Tamara? We went to Peter's house. And this was Peter, and it's a beautiful house. Now, don't think of it like you with sheetrock and all this stuff. I mean, there's, there's just, you know, Peter put up a wall and he put, he put stones. You know what I mean? It was a stone wall, but it's pretty cool. And there's a church, and you go up like this, and you actually can see all of that stuff, right? You know Peter was married, right? You know he's married. Because what did Jesus do? Jesus healed his mother-in-law. And I don't think Peter asked for that. I'm just saying. I'm just letting you know. I love my mother-in-law. I'm talking about Peter, okay? Don't look at me that way. Hey, Jesus. Hey, Jesus. What would you do that for, man? She's going to be with you anyway. No, that's a whole other story. Okay, so, so you can go, and, and it's a beautiful house. But here's, let me give you a side note. Let me give you a side note. Right outside Peter's house, guys, about a stone's throw away is a tree. Lots of trees. And as the, as the tour guide was going, blah, 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 over here, I sat by the tree, and I was just praying. And I felt like Jesus often stayed at Peter's house a lot. He would get up early in the morning. What if he sat under the same tree and prayed? Oh, so cool. I was just so overwhelmed by that. I mean, great, Peter's house, amen. I was like, and you go, Pastor, what's the point of that story? So that you could go with us in 2021 to Israel, okay? It's a trip of a lifetime. See, We know that Peter was married and, and his wife traveled with him and was supported. See, Paul had the same right, but he didn't use it. What did Paul do? Paul realized what the church was going through and he what? He supported himself by working and making tents. 
Guys, not because he had to, but in, in order that people wouldn't stumble. He says, I will not take support if it really causes you to sin. I don't know if you guys, I mean, I don't know if you understand the small church dynamics. But for the first seven years of planting this church, I worked a full-time job and planted and, and taught on Wednesday and taught on Sunday. Because we didn't, want, we didn't want anybody to think that we came out here for the money because we didn't have any money, but you guys know what I'm saying. We didn't come out here and, and, and you know, and, and I get it. Listen, if, if you can plant a church where you have 500000 in the bank and you can work full-time, I'm like, amen, that wasn't us. You realize we started this church with $200? We came out here with $200, opened a bank account. I was so proud walking into Citibank. $200, start Calvary Chapel of Lubbock. She's like, 200 bucks. It's going to get better. I mean, I mean, seriously, that's, 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 that's the case. But Paul says, no, 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 I'm going to work. Why, why did you work? Because again, he says, he says because not that I, I had to, but I don't want to cause anyone to stumble. Pastor Chuck tells the story, guys, of years of driving an old, older used car. And Pastor Chuck was rich. I don't know if you knew that. But he made some investments in land way before, and he had some money, but he would always drive an older car because he didn't want to cause anyone to stumble. Now, Kay, she drove a brand new Cadillac. I'm just saying, just throwing that out there. He took care of his wife, but he always said, I don't, I don't, the car works, the car works. And then he says, now listen. He says, now, let me ask you a question, verse 6. Or is it only Barnabas and I who have to refrain from working? Right? Whoever goes to war at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat its fruit, or who tends a flock and doesn't drink of the milk of the flock, do I say these things as a mere man, or does the law say them also? What is Paul saying? He goes, listen, hey, guys, is it just me and Barnabas who have to work to support ourselves? Think about it. What soldier has to pay his own expenses? What farmer plants a vineyard and doesn't have the rights to eat it? He says, I'm not telling you this, guys, because I'm getting worked up or I'm upset. He says, it's actually in the law. It's actually part of the law. In Paul's defense, guys, he had every right to obtain financial support from the church. You understand that. But he loves them so much, he's willing to forego his rights to see many saved. And so what he does is he's going to give us the final verses with the principle that he's going to talk about. Look, he says, for it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about, or does he say it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be a partaker in his hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, it is a great thing if we reap material things. Now, here's the point. You guys ready? Here it is. Verse 12 is the point. When a right can become a wrong, here's what Paul says. If others are partakes, partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you know what Paul is saying right here? People matter. You know what he just said? He said, listen, if others have the right to expect this from you, what about us? He says, we're apostles. We even have a greater right. But I love you guys, and I will forego my rights in order 
for you to hear and understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know why? I don't want any obstacle in the way of you and God. I don't want any obstacle. Here's what the gospel does. Listen, when you get the gospel in your heart, eternity is always on your mind. Where people are going to spend eternity. And when you have eternity on your mind, you can let the little things go. You're not going to harp on the little things. You, you know what I'm talking about? You're not going to have drama on little things because you go, listen, eternity is just far too great for, for us to worry about this. Nevertheless, Paul says, people matter. That's really what the text is about. Paul says, listen, here's my rights. I don't care because you matter and I want to see you in heaven. I want to see you in heaven. Now, listen, we all go, man, I have my rights. Listen, I work. I got to get paid or whatever. I get that. I get that. But I want you to see as we close, guys, I want you to see something, okay? I want you to see, could you imagine with me your world, your world, guys, and more importantly, your life, what it would look like if we had the mind of Christ, if we had the same heart that Paul has, if we said people matter, people matter. It doesn't matter what, who, color, it doesn't matter. I want to see everyone in heaven. Do you know what, do you know what our lives would look like, guys? Think about this. To consider others more important for eternity then maybe some rights we have here on earth. People matter. That's Jesus' heart. That should be our heart. And Paul, he gives us a principle, and he says, and I actually illustrate it from my life, so you can see that what I say is sincere. Think about this. A hundred years from now, a hundred years from now, probably everybody in this room won't be here. Would you agree? If the Lord tarries, we're not going to be here. Right, Larry? Larry says, I'm not going to be here. Why don't we use our money and our resources today to further the kingdom? Because 100 years from now, you're not going to spend it anyway. You're not going to have it. That's what I say. What would my life look like if we said, you know what? Starting today, others oriented. Lord, I want, I want to see them the way you see them. I want to love them the way you love them. And if it means that I have to go out with some of my, some of my earthly pleasures so that I can bless somebody else, then Lord, let me do that. I mean, it's even as silly as like, what if we skipped a, if we skipped a meal, and took that money, that five bucks, and says, "I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to somebody who really needs it," or 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 this or this. Listen, I'm gonna go out and buy food for Thanksgiving, and I'm gonna take it to somebody who really needs it. The whole meal. What does it cost? Fifty bucks? Sixty bucks? But we realize that there are people and there are kids and there are families who can't even afford that. But we can. We can say, let's do this. 
not because, why? Not because we want to get brownie points with God. Look at us, God. We're over here helping people. But because we go, people matter. Because people matter. Let me say this. You matter. You matter to God. Father, we thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love. Lord Jesus, I talked about eternity. I talked about forgiveness of sins. I talked about the gospel. I talked about healing. But maybe today, God, you brought somebody here that that's, hasn't been close to you, hasn't walked with you. And maybe today, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you're touching a heart that needs you. That somehow they need, they need a defining moment to say, I surrender all to you, Lord. I'm a mess. And pastor, some of the things you were saying, man, some lights were coming on. And it, what it made me really believe is that I just don't have a relationship with God. I don't have the gospel deep inside me. I don't understand it, but I want to today. And I don't know what to do. Well, if that's you, if that's you, God is he's knocking on your heart right now. And he's saying, hey, I forgive you. I love you. I have a plan for your life, but you've got to surrender to me. You've got to be the one to come and open up your heart. And now you're sitting on the chair going, I don't know, Pastor. I don't know what to do. My life is a mess. What should I do? Well, the first step is surrendering your heart to Jesus. Really, really with all of your heart saying, Pastor, pray for me. I want Jesus to come into my life. I want, I want to surrender my life. I'm ready to start new. I'm ready to give my life to him. Because I know, I know there are a lot of us in here that feel like we're a million miles away from God. But listen to me, you may feel like you're a million miles away from God, but you're one decision from coming to him and knowing him intimately, personally, to take your sins away, to heal you, to make you complete, to make you whole, to give you your joy back. Pastor, what do I need to do? In a moment, I'm going to ask you just to lift up your hand. Well, why do I have to lift up my hand? Because I want God to see your heart. Nobody else is going to look around, but that's you. You're saying, I surrender all today. I surrender. That I want me and God. And if you lift up your hand, I will find you, I will acknowledge you, and then I'll pray for you. So if God is speaking to your heart right now in a relationship between him and you, we're not asking you to join, in, join this church. We're, not asking, we're asking you, this is a relationship between him and you. If that's you and God is speaking to you, I want to pray for you. With every eye closed and every head bowed, people praying in this room, will you lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to surrender once and for all to Jesus. I want a complete, complete slate, clean. I want to give my life to Jesus. Will you lift up your hand right now if that's you? All you have to do is say, just just lift, Pastor, pray for me. I won't embarrass you. It's between you and God. love you, Jesus. We thank you. We thank you that we're going to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, 
please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.